Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're at the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is Linda Romanowski, the author of Final Touchstones. Final Touchstones is an Italian heritage memoir in hybrid form. Each standalone piece tells one story of four brothers who leave Sicily for America in the early 1900s. The author's paternal grandfather is the seminal figure from age three to his emigration to a new life, a decision that changed his and his family's destiny forever. Linda M. Romanowski is a 2021 Rosemont College MFA graduate in creative writing nonfiction. She was also the recipient of the college's President's Medal. She's a contributing feature writer for The City Key, a former assistant editor for Rathalla, and a submission reader for Philadelphia Stories, the Sandy Crimmins National Prize for Poetry, and the McGlynn Fiction Prize Contest. Living in Ardmore, PA, she concluded her role as president of the Rosemont College Alumni Board in June of 2022. Linda, welcome. Warning. Well, Thank you so much. Yeah, so I know we met, uh, how long has it been now? I know we met at an event down there. Uh, it was pushed to publish, so we have never met uh, in person. Right, it was online. Correct. Yeah. Push to publish, and that's we did that over COVID online. That's correct. Yes, that event used to be in person, and I think we used to send one of our editors there. And, uh, it will be. It was last year, and it's going to happen again at uh, Drexel uh, University. I don't know if um, it's also going to be offered via Zoom. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I went back to it this this past year in yeah. person in Philadelphia. If it's the mm-hmm. same event, and I apologize yes. if I'm confusing events, I end up going to a bunch of them, and they run together after a while. But uh, oh, that, that was you are correct. Correct. I remember being very impressed with uh, this heritage story and the way you were approaching it, and your enthusiasm for this. And uh, you know, maybe tell us a little bit first about Rosemont College and the program there. And you know, cause you're, you seem to be have been heavily involved probably loved your time there. So I'll let you speak about that first. Well, the Rosemont uh, MFA program began approximately 10 years ago uh, or so. And the director uh, is also the, uh, I would say the founder, uh, Carla uh, Spataro. And, uh, you know, it is uh, offered to everyone. Uh, There are, it's quite a draw. Uh, We have, Students of all walks of life, uh, all ages. Uh, it was. It's a very uh, welcoming uh, environment. It's not adversarial uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and I think that is really the key to its uh, success. Uh, at the present time, I believe there are maybe fifty or fifty students or so, something uh, to that effect. Rosemont is a small liberal arts college that went co-ed about ten years ago. Uh, or so, and it is, uh, you know, in the main line area. Right. So it is really uh, an excellent location uh, for many reasons. Uh, and of course, there are students who take uh, the courses uh, online. 
so it is it's a very uh, a creative uh, robust uh, environment and it was really the perfect situation for me. And having graduated the first time from uh, Rosemont in 1975, I was completely aware of the surroundings, uh, the history, uh, and, and so forth. So I was already very comfortable there. Right. Uh, in fact, I, I started to take some studio courses. That's how I did this, Lawrence. I approached it very slowly. Uh, I always wanted my master's degree, but I didn't know uh, in what field. My problem was I was interested in everything. But the one thing that I could do was right. Uh, that was something that I've done from my earliest memories. Uh, and so I just approached it slowly and took those courses one at a time. And sometimes there were master classes. I took them one at a time and kind of derived the energy and that kind of atmosphere from that exposure. And I am very glad that, uh, that I did that. Yeah, uh, it turned it turned out to be life saving, um, not li life changing, not life saving, life changing, because some of the instructors became my professors. Some of the folks that were in the class with me became my classmates. And uh, there was just that camaraderie that began uh, very uh, quickly. And we bonded together. And it, it has been a, a completely positive experience. <laughs> Yeah, I think I picked up on that when inter interacting with you all, that uh, there's a really positive energy there. And it sounds like uh, this is a lifetime goal for you, something you just wanted to achieve. You weren't in a rush to do so, which is the path a lot of us take, sometimes because we don't have time and we have to stretch it out. You know, other times right. it's by choice, you know. Right. And I had nothing to lose. So I didn't have that anxiety of figuring out, you know, where is this going to help me in my future career? Uh, so and, and in effect, it's become another career of sorts, mm -hmm. expect, which is it was joyous and uh, unexpected. And something I can say about the MFA program, uh, people are constantly being published. Uh, in fact, you may uh, know the name of Erin Entrada Kelly. Uh, Erin won the Newbery Award uh, a few years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was very uh, impressive. And, uh, you know, this is the, the way that we, uh, that, you know, that it has been. Carlos Bataro knows uh, many people. There are extensive contacts uh, with her. And she really knows the business. And so uh, that is a major draw. Uh, a couple of the things that I learned right away, you're not on an even playing field. So just do your best and uh, learn from the people around you. Uh, and it really is about connections. I can tell you, uh, Lawrence, this book, Final Touchstones, would not have been written the way that it was written if I had not gone through the program. Because I learned a lot about technique. I learned about presentation. Uh, I had to, uh, you know, in the courses that I took, one of them, Poets uh, Laureate, uh, taught by Grant Clouser. There is a history of all those folks, and you get to see how different people write over a period of time. And that became very, very helpful. So, and writing can be lonely. 
uh, you can certainly uh, oh, attest yeah. to this. But but in this case, I really didn't feel lonely. I had more moments of frustration, uh, like that word's not right kind of thing. Or, you know, some of the titles uh, came after I wrote the pieces because it just wasn't hitting me. So I kind of put a, a pseudo title in so that I wouldn't get frustrated. Right. And then and then the dawn would hit and you it would it would present itself. Uh, so, uh, and I don't think I would have had that kind of, uh, calm resolution and patience if I had done that by myself. Yeah. It sounds like a great program. We're talking to Linda Romanowski, the author of Final Touchstones. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books brings the reader unique and independent works of fiction and nonfiction. Oxford Southern is our educational and academic imprint. Releases such as Philip Mosley's Telling of the Anthracite, Art a la Carte, a memoir of a wayfaring art teacher by Marianne Bickett, and Mildred Schindler Jansen's autobiography, Surviving Hitler, Evading Stalin. Click on the Oxford Southern link for more at sunburypress.com. I'm back with Linda Romanowski, the author of Final Touchstones. And Linda, I know we uh, spent the first second self. First about, you, know, you, you mentioned how this developed during the program. I think this, this ultimately was your, your thesis in the end. So maybe a little bit about how that came together. How many cl- courses or classes were re- involved with this book and how much time? This is an interesting uh, question. I was getting to the point where I had to come up with my thesis and I was in a bit of a panic because I did not know uh, what to do. So uh, Carlos Pataro was teaching a course, literature and film, and I've always wanted to take a film course. So it just so happened that it was the 50th anniversary of the uh, publishing of The Godfather. So we watched the movie in class. And one of my classmates, uh, I heard her, I heard a sound and I looked at her and I said, what's the matter? And she was very teary. She said, I miss my crazy Italian relatives. Well, that did it. Uh, I started to sniff, you know, and get a little teary. And so did Carla. And that's when the wheels started to turn as I'm watching the movie and seeing uh, uh, it unfold. I've watched it so many times, but still it hit me for the first time that People who were in the baby boomer generation, which is, um, you know, uh, me, were the last folks to really know the immigrants, their relatives who came over during that great immigration. Know someone who is the exception, but that is because her grandmother was born in 1903. But that is a rarity. So there is a much more vital connection uh, with those uh, folks. And over the years, I had started to write stories in bits and pieces. Uh, I would ask uh, my grandfather, who spent the last four years of his life uh, living with my family, uh, asking him questions, going back and forth, uh, writing, jotting down notes. And through my courses at Rosemont, when there were assignments that had to be done, there were times when I found myself writing about my family, but it was not something that I set my sights on. It just evolved that way. So I kept every, uh, everything. And in the meantime, I have a very dear friend who we reconnected with about 15 years ago. And uh, he is Jewish. And he and I are exchanging stories back and sending me these things. 
and I got became offended. I didn't understand him. What he meant was, you really need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. So all of that was in my mind as I am watching this movie. And that's when I started to pull things together. And that's when I started to think, then how do I present this? And then I had my discussion with Carla Spatara as the director. We all had to sit and uh, share our ideas and then you know, write that presentation paper of what we were going to do. And she thought it was a great idea to divide it into three sections. Uh, I thought that was very helpful for a number of reasons. Uh, and by doing that, it was something that you had said to me, that it became really historic, uh, uh, family-oriented, uh, uh, emotional, uh, biographical, autobiographical it just started to take on a life uh, of its own and they the pieces fell easily one behind the other then i started to realize these are all separate uh pieces and stories and and uh exchanges that i had with family members leave them that way mm -hmm. because that was the way you obtained the information and so that fell into place. I wasn't driven to being exactly even among the three sections, but it happened to fall that way for the most part. I didn't intend to have my grandfather through the entire book, but that was the way that it happened. Uh, I find that uh, I found real surprise in realizing how your work takes on a life of its own. It's almost as if People are speaking to you. Uh, I will admit there were times that I could feel my grandparents' hands on my shoulders, honestly. Uh, and it was quite uh, an experience. I was just talking and, to another author about that, about how it seems like you're, you're almost transferring this from somewhere else. Uh, it, it flows mm -hmm. through you, not from you. And you know, where that comes from, who knows? But I, I know when you're in a groove and you're writing, it just flows out. And may, maybe you have a repository in your brain somewhere that it builds up. Maybe it comes from some far off place in the either another dimension. Who knows what? But it's uh, I, I I understand uh, you know exactly what you're talking about. The other thing I wanted to mention was you reminded me that when you and I first talked, this book was still in development. It was not finished. So I, I remember now our session where we, we talked about you had this project and you hope to, uh, you know, complete it. I, I think you were, your projection was about a year at that time. I, I have to ask you, though, you know, the Italian heritage and you're watching The Godfather, my favorite movie, well, maybe one of the top three movies. Was it F Fat Clemenza coming out and saying, Paulie, more wine? Or was it when Vito's meeting with the Undertaker and kind of remind him about uh, he has an offer or he has a favor to call or uh, there's so many cliches in The Godfather. Uh, I, I, I don't know that your book is a mob story, <laughs> but the Italian heritage, you certainly the, the cuisine, the wine, the olive oil, all the food, uh, just the family uh, traditions. Um, maybe talk a little bit about how The Godfather connected to this. 
Well, first of all, I cannot resist the impulse of saying, don't forget the cannolis. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is constant. You know, we, we do this at, at family gatherings, uh, and it really has become a, a standard phrase. And then there's another one uh, that my brother called, you know, get me Fabrizio, that, that always just. But to answer your question, in the opening scene, the Italian uh, wedding scene, there is so much going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just little bits and pieces, things that I remember. Uh, when I was a little girl, I remember being at a wedding that was like that, not in Sicily, but with all of that. And I remember just being so taken by it. So when I saw it in the movies the first time, the, the tears just uh, came to my eyes. Uh, and through the, the movie, it's just the nuances of behavior. There is no movie, I believe, that really depicts the Italian behaviors and those little uh, uh, quirks and idiosyncrasies the way that uh, the Godfather does. And it's it's beautifully made. When um, Godfather speaks, uh, I get teary because there were times that I could see and hear my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Now, my grandfather was not a monster, but just the 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 delivery uh, uh the body language uh and the casting which was just absolutely perfect uh, and those little italian phrases uh that you know i laughed and my husband uh was in the movie you know jostling me saying what do you say what do you say and then i'm whispering uh, back translating what uh, they were said what words were said uh uh, that kind of thing. It is completely accurate uh, in that regard. And that's probably one reason why I like to watch it uh, at least once a Linda, year. Linda, we need to take a break. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books opens the door to Pennsylvania Dutch and German history with our imprint, Distal Fink Press. Find out about the lives of figures in early American history through the Muhlenbergs of Pennsylvania, or Conrad Weiser, Friend of Colonist and Mohawk by Paul A. Wallace, Joseph G. Rosengartens, The German Soldier in the Wars of the United States, or The Indians of Berks County by D.B. Bruner. Check out the wide variety of available works, both fiction and nonfiction, at sunburypress.com. Talking to Linda Romanowski, the author of Final Touchstones. <laughs> and hopefully that does sound a little bit like Vito Corleone. <laughs> I've been known to do a pretty good imitation. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're digressing from your book, and we're getting a little too much into uh, into the Godfather movie. But um, yeah, so let's, let's we have this final segment here to, to talk about the content a little bit. Um, I know we were saying the idiosyncrasies of the Italian culture and how that movie really, at least for the like the World War II era, really it, presented yes. it well. Um, t- tell us a little more about your maybe your grandfather. He's the thread through this whole thing. This is from immigration until uh, his later life. Um, what are some of the interesting anecdotes you could share without giving a lot away? He was someone who... Uh, really fits the uh, the saying, still waters run deep. He was not uh, very talkative, but he had the facial expressions, you know, the, uh, the look perfected, you know, as, as we say. Uh, he was he was kind, very methodical, very thoughtful. And while you might think that he was not paying attention, 
he was always paying attention. And it, it's quite funny how he and my grandmother, him with the smoke and the cigars and my grandmother fretting, fretting about the cigar smoke in the house. You know, it, when I see it in my mind, it is very humorous. Uh-huh. Uh, these were two people who loved each other and they still do, I'm sure. Uh, but there was that little bit of uh, tension uh, about that cigar. Yeah, but that's what makes a marriage good. You always need well, that little bit of tension. <laughs> absolutely. And and my grandfather never forgot that when he first came here, he really had to uh, take care of himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to cook for himself. He had to learn his way around because he met my grandmother here. Uh-huh. And and so uh, every once in a while when we would eat a piece of fruit, uh, like especially a banana, because that was the first thing that he ate when he came to America. And sometimes he would get teary and it would just be a moment that I, I wish people could really feel. Uh, and that but that's hard to do unless you've experienced that uh, uh, yourself. He was an excellent cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellent. Uh, he made eggplant par- uh, parmesan. We would fight to get the Italian loaf and then uh, scrape the bottom of the bowl, you know, because of all the residual uh, ingredients that kind of, you know, sunk to the uh, bottom. So he knew what it was like to uh, be in both uh, roles. And he did begin to realize that you needed in order to, to succeed, what he was doing was fine, but he knew that this kind of work would not last forever. What was that, his What was his profession? He was a, a weaver. Okay. Uh, he worked at a, a, a three weavers in the company. And something that I learned from my cousin Mary, who became became a magnificent source of information, I never realized this. Those jobs were not permanent. They let people come and go, but the three of them were always employed. So you learn, you get that inference. These guys were really good at what they did. Mm-hmm. But they, they were very modest, never uh, bragged about it. But when we would come in the house with something that we bought from shopping, he would say, come here, you know, uh, you know, let me see. Let me let me touch this. And he would tell us if what we uh, bought was of uh, good quality uh, or not. Well, this was before the age of polyester and all those other blends and things. But he really uh, knew the business and it was with him uh, always. He wanted, uh, he, he felt that all of us should have an education, which was so interesting, Lawrence, because in the next generation, like his children in, that, in, the, in the, what I would call the Italian-American section, it was like, what are you going to get an education for? You're going to be behind the sink anyway. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't, that wasn't my, what my grandfather uh, had in mind. Uh, and I think those people uh, learned something different than the next generation. And I was so happy when he said toward the end of his life, I'm so glad that the, the three of you uh, went to college. And even now, uh, whenever I write an assignment, whenever I go to a, a class, I always write at the first page of my notes that I dedicate it to, uh, uh, to them uh, for all of their, their work and their, their lack of uh, education. And cur- then the, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I was curious about... Uh, their Catholic tradition, did they bring that with them and, and follow that throughout their lives, or did that change over time? My grandmother was in church 
every day. She made up for the fact that my grandfather did not go. And that was another little story. Uh, <sighs> he would tell me, Linda, I can't sit down and smoke my cigars. So the priest doesn't I would, like the cigar. Yeah. Oh my! Oh my word! And I would always say my grandmother had the rosaries in one hand and a rabbit's foot in the other, because of all of the Italian, uh, their Italian wisdom, that uh, that they brought uh, with them. Uh, they were, they were very strong in their faith. Even my father's parents. My father's parents were more um, demonstrative in that way. They lived across the street from St. Mary Magdalene's uh, de Pazzi in South Philadelphia. My cousin uh, is still there. And they used to have these big presentations where they would take the statues and do these presentations through the street, just like they did it in Italy. Right. And my father was very active with that. He was one of the ones that carried the, um, the statues, you know, they would put them on those risers. Yeah, that's uh, quite an honor. Yeah. Yes, it is. And it's also dangerous when you have people who are pushing and, and they're, you know, giving money with it, with their intentions uh, and all of that kind of thing. So on the other side of the family, it was a little bit different, but the, the devotion uh, uh, was there. Well, Linda, we, we only have a couple minutes left, and I, I just wanted to get you uh, an opportunity to say uh, what else you're doing with the book, if there is any events coming up, any plans, or maybe some event that happened recently. Well, uh, back in, in February, or February 20th of this year, uh, I had my book launched at Rosemont College, and there were about 150 people who showed up, and it was quite an event. Uh, it was really overwhelming, but it was wonderful. Uh, the folks there at Rosemont, uh, Carla and her assistant, Chris McCormick, from when we were in Sicily, and that played through the um, the entire uh, evening, uh, and everyone had uh, a great time. That was really uh, wonderful. I am finding that there are all kinds of niches for uh this work. One of our neighbors belongs to a senior citizens group. And she said, I think you should come and present your book to the folks there. So we are in the process of talking with the director uh, sometime during the summer to come and give a presentation. And when you think about it, Lawrence, those people are baby boomers yeah. and they like to read. And it's the summertime. And I've met some of them already and they're all uh, very excited uh, about this. So then I started to think to myself, well, there's other uh, folks around here that I can contact that I'm sure that their um, marketing uh, staff is always looking for uh, people to come and talk to the senior citizens. Uh, there's a friend of mine who is the president of the Sons of Italy in Brumall. Yeah. So we set up that I'm going to go in October. They have never had an author there. So uh, it was just an unexpected uh, niche. And then I did outreach, outreach to Mario Lanza because we, I knew that the museum uh, where it was and that Mario Lanza lived around the story that was, that is in the book, but was published on their website the day of his hundredth uh, anniversary of his birth, which was nothing short of amazing. I couldn't have, Mm -hmm. uh, asked, I could not have asked for more. So there, there are always opportunities. Uh, we have a friend who writes for Catholic Philly, and he said, "Give me your book." He said, and uh, 
I think we can uh, do a uh, have a conversation and do a, a review uh, on it. Yeah. And then this a uh, couple of days ago, the Historical Society of Pennsylvania and the Library Company of Philadelphia accepted uh, a copy of the book. So I am uh, really delighted. What delights me more than anything, Lawrence, is that people say to me, boy, this brought me back. I remember this. I remember that. And they're not everybody's not Italian who's reading this, but I'm receiving this feedback. And I am now saying to them, good, write it down. Write it down. Great advice. Linda, we are at the end of the program already. And uh, that is great advice about uh, each of those events and opportunities, because as an author and, you know, and as a publisher on my side, seeing all of our authors out there, it really is lots of little steps, lots of little events and opportunities. You never know which one's going to connect to the next one that leads to the big opportunity. So... It's been great having you on. I look forward to having you back uh, when your next book is teed up and ready to go. Thank you. Thank you, Lawrence. We've been talking to Linda Romanowski, the author of Final Touchstones. Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts.